I'm curious, you know, you're both from the South. I'm from Virginia, but Northern Virginia. So I don't know. Diet but South. Yeah. That, <laughs> <laughs> diet South. I love that. Below the Mason-Dixon line. Yeah. Um, that's why it's diet. That's diet. Okay. <laughs> I like it. This is Admissible. I'm Natalie Blazer, Dean of Admissions at UVA Law. We recently hosted our annual Admitted Students Open House here, where we welcomed more than 300 admitted students and their guests to grounds for two days to experience our community. It was an incredibly fulfilling and exhausting event, and it would not have been possible without the involvement and enthusiasm of our current students. Our students not only make this event possible, they're also spending a ton of time in conversation with admitted students about their law school decision-making process. These are conversations I, of course, am not involved in or privy to. So I had the idea to have two of our wonderful student ambassadors on the show to share what they have been hearing out there just casually sort of on the streets from admitted students in terms of the main factors going into the decision of where to go to law school. So on that note, I am thrilled to have second year law student James Hornsby and first year law student Laura Louise Rice here in the studio with me today. Welcome to Admissible, James and Laura Louise. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Very excited to be here. I also have to say, today is James's birthday. <laughs> oh my God, happy birthday. <laughs> we go to old 26, we lose that health Woo. insurance. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for making the time on your birthday to record. This is so fun. Um, so this season, I have been doing an icebreaker with all of my guests. So if you could each tell me, what would your last meal on earth be? That is a difficult question. <laughs> I think I already have mine. Oh, okay. Go right okay. Ahead. So I'm from East Tennessee, and this is where it really shows, because my last meal would probably be like my mom's country fried steak. It is good country food. Like, she serves it with biscuits and mashed potatoes and, like, the gravy and everything, and it's so good. And, like, I always cackle because, like, my stepdad is like, so what vegetable are you going to have with it? And we're like, the potatoes. Like, that's clearly <laughs> how we're going to do this. I love it. Yeah, for me, so I'm from rural South Carolina. So in the same vein, <laughs> I would have probably pan-fried pork chops that my grandma pan fries are my favorite thing ever with collard greens and something we love to call cowboy beans, which is basically like a fun take on baked beans. Oh, my God. Well, now I'm starving. <laughs> <laughs> I love the Southern cuisine. Oh, my God. Yum. Um, so aside from your last meals, um, I want to learn a little bit about both of you and about what led you to pursue law school in the first place. So maybe, Laura Louise, you can start. Where are you from? We just heard South Carolina. Where did you go to school? What was the moment where you knew you wanted to go to law school? Yeah, so I'm from Plumber in South Carolina, which is about 45 minutes from the border of Georgia. Um, but my family like lives in Lexington, South Carolina, which is near Columbia now. And growing up, I spent pretty much half my time between rural South Carolina and like metropolitan Georgia at my grandparents' house um, because I was homeschooled during elementary school. You know, growing up, my dream was actually to be on Broadway for a while. I danced my whole life. I realized soon that that wasn't going to be a sustainable career. Um, But one thing my granddad always told me was you need to be a doctor or a lawyer one day so that you can speak up for people in our community. I remember the first time he told me that I was like eight or nine years old. And I never like, it never clicked for me. Um, But then I went to the University of South Carolina 
created my own degree um, focused on medical humanities and public policy. And I really realized that there is a lack of voices for black and brown people, especially in the United States, but specifically in the Deep South. And the thing that kind of made sense for me was like going to law school so that I had that level of knowledge and that level of influence where I could make a difference in my community and I could, you know, speak up on issues that people in my community don't necessarily have the access to know about. So that was kind of what inspired me to go to law school. I think I have a lot of different interests. So we're going to see kind of what the iteration of what my like career looks like. But, you know, that's kind of my why is like my family and being able to give back to like a community that gave me so much growing up. That is so powerful. I could also see the Broadway career, though, for you, to be honest. <laughs> definitely, definitely my I'm, quick stint in libel this weekend. <laughs> I'm glad we got you, on, you know, at, as a future lawyer, but I could see it. And it's not too late. It's not too late. <laughs> fair. That's true. Say. Career change. That's fair. <laughs> Never know. James, what about you? So it's a similar in a variety of ways. So, I mean, I grew up on a dairy farm in East Tennessee. And for me, like, I'm a gay man. And growing up in rural South, it was always made very clear that, like, it really wasn't the best thing to be. But I ended up going to Sanford University down in Birmingham, Alabama. And I had a really great experience there. Coming from a family of farmers, it was all about, like, what's practical? And so for me, it's like, all right, we'll be a business major. And so we'll be finance and marketing and we'll do the things. And I found it really interesting. But, like, what I realized is, like, it wasn't really what I was passionate about. Because, like, there's a difference between, like, what you're interested in, what you're good at, but then, like, what really, like, makes you want to keep going. And so, like, along the way, I realized that, like, really what was I was passionate about was student government. And so in my time, my senior year, I became student body president. And I was able to help lead the initiative to create their university honor code down there and in there get protections for LGBTQ plus people by making it like an honor code violation to discriminate based on sexual orientation or gender identity, among a variety of other changes. And I had so much fun doing this, pulling apart words and thinking about like, how is this process going to work? Like, what are we going to do here? And like, it never felt like work despite putting in hours and hours of work into it. But see, for me, I always say, like, I'm a little bit of a dingbat. And I didn't quite realize that maybe the law is for you because I was always like, oh, I'm not cut out for law school. And I went into sales for two years and I was good at it. I enjoyed it. I sold snacks and candy all over Alabama. But then, like, I kind of realized whenever the pandemic hit that, like, this isn't really what I'm passionate about. This isn't what I enjoy doing. And one of my mentors was like, have you considered law school? And I was like, oh, my God, no. But then, like as the seed was planted, it was like, oh my God, like this makes so much sense. Like this is really what I want, I should be doing. And since then, like definitely the right path for me. Yeah. Wow. I'm just going to go ahead and pat myself on the back for admitting <laughs> both of you. I'm like already just remembering how, how wonderful you are and how lucky we already have you both. Sorry to the, you know, theater and candy sales industries <laughs> for taking you away. Um, so thinking back, you know, Laura Louise, about a year ago, James, about two years ago, to your own law school application process, like, is there anything that stands out in your mind from that, like good or bad? I think for me, there's like a lot of misinformation out there about like what it takes to apply to law school. And that's what stuck out to me most because no one in my family is really an attorney um, except for like extended family. And I didn't have a lot of or really any friends that went to law school. So really I was getting all my information from Reddit, things I could find on the Internet. And 
like a lot of things that I thought to be so true and thought to be so important now being on the other end of things was not actually as important as it was made out to be at the beginning. Um, and I kind of wish like the things I prioritized at the end kind of what I prioritized at the start. So I think it would have been a lot less stressed throughout the whole process if so. Well, and this is exactly why you guys are here. So we're going to get to that. <laughs> like, what are the important things? No, but I'm so glad you like planted that seed because I think it's so true. Like misinformation is out there. That's one hope I have with the podcast is, you know, to sort of help guide people in a little bit more straightforward way than Reddit, for example. Um, so what about you, James? I also come from a family where it's like, there's not really any attorneys in my family that could guide and be like, oh, this is what you're supposed to do. These are the differences in the schools. And so, so much of it was like kind of bumbling around trying to figure out like, okay, what do these rankings mean? And like, what do the career outcomes mean? And like, I just, I think I applied to like 15 different schools and then it was like trying to figure out like, oh, okay, how does this all work? And one of the things that helped me the most was actually like your office being willing to talk to me about like, so these are the options. We're happy to talk to you through all of the various pros and cons. And it was done in a pretty unbiased manner and like really no regrets on this end. I'm so glad to hear that. And I always say one thing I love about my job is I'm never in a position to convince somebody to come to UVA. I love to give the unbiased because We are fortunate enough that if somebody decides not to come here, we're not hurting for another person, right? So, like, I never want someone to come who's uncomfortable with the financial undertaking or who's doesn't really feel like it's the right environment for them. Like, I'm happy to, like, help show that to someone, even if it means we lose them. It's always hard with great people when you lose them, but it always tends to work out that the right people end up here. So now that you are both here, what are you involved in? I know you're both involved in quite a bit. So (laughs) maybe keep it it to the top few things, basically outside of the classroom. What keeps you busy? Yeah. So for me, I was recently elected the president of the Black Law Students Association. Yes, you were. Which is really exciting. So that's been very integral to my experience as I was historian on the executive board throughout this year. And now I'm taking on the president role. Um, But I also served this year as the first year council president. So that's kind of like the president of the first year class as like an offshoot of SBA, which also meant that I was like a 1L senator. And then beyond that, I'm also a student ambassador and community fellow and all of those little things. Did libel too with James, which yes, is a lot of fun. And James, tell us what libel is. We've mentioned that a couple of times. What is the libel show? So the libel show is sort of like this SNL style, like comedy sketches and videos and songs that's all about the law school and it's all written by the law students and it's performed by law students. And so like Laura Louise was in a variety of skits and dances and like it all happened over a period of three days from Thursday, Friday and Saturday. And like one thing that I think is really cool about it, it's the longest running tradition at the law school. Like this year was our 115th year of doing it. And so I'm the assistant director for it right now. And I've been in it for the past two years. And I just love it because I call it like almost just good old fashioned stupid fun. Um, When you see like that these law students who are like super high achieving, super smart, really academics focused and then they have these like yes (laughs) hidden talent dancing singing making jokes like i love it for that reason because you all are more than just future lawyers you know and so it's super fun to see well and that's one thing that like i always say about uva is like we value like you as a holistic person we want you to do well we want you to be in the library and study but also there's a lot of value in like 
being involved in extracurriculars, like going out for the libel show, going to bar review, like meeting your friends and like having a life. Like I always say, like, remember to sleep, remember to bathe, Mm -hmm. like the basics. (laughs) And I think that this is very much a school that encourages all of those things. Yeah. So outside of libel, anything else you want to highlight? Just a few things. (laughs) Just a couple. Um, (laughs) So for me, I am the outgoing president for Lambda Law Alliance, which uh, for those that don't know is our LGBTQ plus affinity org. And I am just finished up my tenure there and it was an extremely rewarding and wonderful time. And then beyond that, like I'm a 2L senator and I'll be a 3L senator in SBA next year. I'm also a peer advisor. And so I'm a peer advisor for Section H. And so those are like our student advisors for our various 1L sections. And so my job is to basically like help mentor and advise 1Ls as they traverse like the year long process that is 1L. And then I'm also a student ambassador with the admissions. <laughs> like you too. I mean, and it's true of a lot of our students, just like what to see what all you are involved in. Um, it's amazing how you juggle it all. But I do think it just helps you have a better experience and get to know more people that you wouldn't have gotten to know otherwise. Um So this episode is going to come out March 31st, which is about a month away um, from deposit deadlines. So this episode was planned for that reason, because I know that a lot of listeners out there, they've probably, you know, gotten most of their admissions decisions right now, or they're still kind of maybe trickling in the last few. But this next month is when they're going to be really making the decision. And I'm just curious, based on your conversations, you know, from open house or from tours or just from informal conversations, like, what would you say are the key factors that admitted students really hone in on at this time of year? There's a few things. So I think one thing I've noticed, too, is just sometimes people don't even quite know exactly why they are choosing something, but they just say it feels right of like it's that gut feeling And giving him that affirmation that, like, sometimes, like, that's a good reason to say, like, I just feel like this is a good fit for me. And giving them that affirmation that, like, that's okay, like, to say that. Yes. As as lawyers, future lawyers, we're trained to be very logical. Mm -hmm. But sometimes it is a feeling. And I actually want to tie that into what Laura Louise said earlier, which was your experience at Admitted Student Open House sort of sealed the deal for you. And I've heard that from a lot of people. So it's something about the visit experience. And I'm curious, what kinds of questions would you guys say that you fielded? Like, is it about finances or employment outcomes? Or are they getting into that nitty gritty with you? Or is it really more about like the student life experience? So I would say one big thing for sure is finances. It's a lot of debt, like regardless, even like a substantial scholarship is a lot of debt. But I think there was that whole weighing of thinking kind of what would it look like when I graduate? Like, is there the guarantee that I have the job to pay off this type of debt? And kind of giving that sense of security, I think, was a conversation I also had a lot during Admitted Students Day. And I've even had during like tours over the course of the semester as well. I think that's right. I think people fixate on the number, but they don't investigate what makes up that number? Why is that number what it is? Um, And it's just like how one person's GPA is not another person's GPA, right? Like, okay, what's the major? What's the school? Uh, How long ago was that GPA earned? I mean, now, listen, our employment outcomes, I think, are like 98 or 99 or something. I was about to say, (laughs) that was really what I was always saying. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, James, what about you? So I think it like the nitty gritty for me comes up a lot because I mean I talk to a lot of students that like have worked or they're coming back into this or they're like I don't quite know like what exactly I'm getting into. I'm really excited and like I know the money piece comes up a lot and like I always try and be really candid with them of like listen like I am taking out basically a mortgage <laughs> to come to law school and like I turned down full rides at other schools that were might have been lower ranked and really great schools. I didn't understand quite the difference because like I'm from the south. I was never thought that I would have the opportunity to go and practice litigation at a firm in Washington, D.C. And, like, I have that. Like, that's what I'll be doing this summer. And it's primarily because, like, UVA was by my name. And there were so many amazing alums that were, like, reaching out to me at the firm that I'm going to. And were like, oh, we'd love to have you. We're so excited. Like, we love our UVA grads. And, like, those are, like, the intangibles that I think that I didn't realize coming in that were so important and why I kind of joke that, like, well, I didn't realize, like, how how I lucked out when I made the decision to choose and kind of go for it of saying, like, you know, it's going to be more money for me as someone who grew up with farmers that are, like, debt's bad. Even my family talks about, like, oh, this was the best decision that you made because, like, the opportunities that you will have, really, like, there's no limit to them. Right. And... You could have less debt, but if you're not getting a great job, and I say that as someone who I was fully on student loans, like I did not have a scholarship. So I, right, like, so I totally, I would never um, downplay it. It's a huge undertaking. And I hope that when people get to the application stage or the, especially the admitted student stage and the decision making stage, they have come to terms with the fact that that debt will be somewhat a part of their life, even as Laura Louise said, if you you know if someone is on a, a scholarship, like they are, it's never going to cover everything. Debt will be a part of that, and that's just part of what graduate school is, and especially professional school. And um, how much do people talk to you about the location, like Charlottesville specifically, or or being close to DC? Like, how much is that playing into people's decision? Do you think? think a lot especially as my role as lambda president this comes up a lot as like being a part of the lgbtq plus community like it's not exactly a wonderful time nationally and like i always i feel a lot of questions about like what is it like to be queer in virginia because it's like it's still a part of the south there's still a long history of not necessarily embracing the lgbtq plus community and like being candid with them of like yeah, it's still Virginia. And like, there are like things that you may have to deal with that you might not be used to. But like, I know for me, my experience at UVA law has been one that has just been fully supportive of me and my identity and like, willing to lift me up. And it's never felt like a liability in any form or fashion. And that like, I have this wonderful community, like with Lambda, I think we're up to over 130 members, and which which is over 10% of the law school. And so to have such a robust dynamic community in the law school, I think really helps ease people's fears of that, like, yes, we'll still be in the South. And like, I don't want you to think that, oh, that never will be an issue. Um, But like, at this school, like you're going to have a community. Yeah, I think from like a Bolsa perspective, it's very similar. Me being from the South, I think I recognize there's a certain level of desensitization that I have. But I remember even coming here, I did have hesitations too, just, you know, following 2017 to be candid. And I think because, like James was saying with like Lambda's community, like because Bolsa's community is so strong and because we have strong relationships with the other like black grad student organizations and even like the undergraduate black pre-law association, like there is a very strong community of people that are seeking 
you know, professional degrees, graduate degrees that kind of can support each other when those things do happen, because inherently, like, they happen, they continue to happen. But um, I've never felt, you know, unsafe. That's like one of the biggest things that like I reiterate to people is like I've never felt unsafe at our school. I've never felt unsafe like in Charlottesville specifically. And like I actually feel safer being here when things happen and having a community yeah. I can lean on that looks like me, but even that doesn't. Yeah. There's something that someone said yesterday and I love the way that they put it. It's like there's a law school problem and there's a UVA law problem. And I think if you've only experienced one place, you're like, well, this happens here. But the reality is, unfortunately, as someone who meets with like our peers regularly, there are certain things that I would never say are unique to UVA. On the contrary, I would say that we have a more supportive, more welcoming community. Um, the location, I mean, just, just speaking about Charlottesville in and of itself, like compared to a major city, I think there are benefits to that. Um, you know, while you're in law school, it's nice to have a smaller setting. People who want to maybe take a direct flight every weekend to go somewhere, like, this is not the place for you. you. (laughs) Right. Um, So one thing that we have sort of danced around uh, a little (laughs) bit, um, and again, I think this is going to be timely. I just want to talk quickly about rankings. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> there is going to be a change of of how the methodology is. Whatever the U.S. News is, is doing, nobody really knows. It hasn't been transparent. Um, there has been a lot of discord. Well, it really came to a head this year, but it has always been there. If, if, if you're in the industry, you know that there has always been pushback against U.S. News. But this year, it just became very public. So it's possible that the rankings could change. They're going to be released mid-April. You know, historically, the top 14 is the top 14. It's the same group of schools. They kind of shuffle around in there, in and amongst themselves. But this year, nobody knows, right? So, for example, UVA was ranked number eight when I was here, and it's ranked number eight now. And we used to be able to rely on the fact that next year it'll probably be number eight, and the year after that. Maybe seven, maybe nine, but number eight is kind of where we live, which I think is a great place to live. It's a great number. Um, It is a great number. (laughs) And there's just a lot of uncertainty out there. And I'm curious how much you two think this factors into someone's decision, right? Like, let's not speculate about what's going to happen because I truly don't know. And I've been involved in these discussions um, for the last several months. But like... Are people in this, in in 2023, is somebody saying, well, I'm going to go to a school simply because it's number five and not number six, right? Like, I have two options. One's higher ranked, point blank. I sure hope not. (laughs) (laughs) I, I don't, I personally don't think so. I think it's a consideration that people have, but I think, like, that's at like the application stage once you get to like the admit stage mm-hmm. and people i would assume and hope and i'm pretty sure people do like a little bit more like at least talking with someone in admissions or students like before they make the decision or at least visit to see like okay well what's the difference because <laughs> everyone's telling me the exact same thing other than going back to what james said earlier how i feel at one place versus how i feel at another and that is a conversation that I have constantly had this semester with incoming students or admitted students, as well as during like open house. It's like once you get 
to like the top 14, whatever, T20, whatever everyone says, like all of the numbers just become negligible. Unless you literally want to be a Supreme Court justice, like that's kind of what I tell. Then go to Harvard. I, that's what to say. So I'd say then there's a, there's a clear path for you. Um, but I think like that's a conversation I had with a lot of students. Was like once you get to this point, like you've done the hard work, and like the hardest part, though the decision is difficult, is kind of over in a way. In that like you've you've guaranteed yourself like a good job. You've guaranteed yourself good outcomes. Guaranteed yourself a really good education. So I would hope that's not what they're thinking. I think initially when I was applying, I was like, okay, these are the top schools. But I didn't really know, didn't know what that meant like at all. And then in practice, once it got to like the spring, like I ended up choosing between two schools and the school I chose was ranked lower in theory than the initial school I was considering. So I think like I hope that's not how, again, I really hope y'all aren't making your decision based on numbers alone. Well, and I want to highlight one thing you said, because I think it's super, super, super important. Like the employment outcomes, like someone's GPA on their transcript, like when you see that a school is ranked X or Y or Z, you need to understand what what factors have gone into that number. Do you know how much value is placed on the LSAT versus alumni giving versus GPA versus reputation surveys versus bar passage. You know, if the bar passage rate is like extremely low, that would be something to look into. Red flag. (laughs) Red flag, right? I always encourage people to educate themselves. You know, we already have the ABA 509 report, which is where anyone can go and see pretty much all the publicly available information. I think there's plenty in there to make decisions. As human beings in in the year 2023, we like someone to just kind of do the work for us. And a a numbered list is really handy, right? But if you go to the ABA 509 reports, you can see there in black and white, like, okay, what's the class size? What's the LSAT? What's the GPA? What's the employment outcome? You know, do they accept transfers? Like, it gets very granular. And I think law schools are trying to do a a better job, as, as we should, of pointing people to the right information. And again, that's all publicly available. Like we have to report that to remain accredited, right? Like, so there's no like fudging of those numbers anywhere or there there certainly should not be. Um, So I think understanding the ranking and then making a decision based on, okay, I know all the things that went into this. And so I'm not just basing it on that is super important. And I think I would like, I agree with that. Uh, But I think it is important to acknowledge that like, Rankings do matter in a weird sort of way, like whether we like it or not, throughout our profession, throughout the schools, everyone kind of has a general idea of what tier every school is in. It's okay to consider the rankings and for that to be a part of your decision, but like, please don't like let that be your total decision. 100%. And one thing that I want to sort of connect to what you said earlier, it really depends on your goals, right? Like you two are seeing the opportunities out of a top 14 school because you both are going, it seems like at least for the short term, you know, to top firms, right? If you, James, had wanted to work in a regional firm or a boutique office, you certainly should have taken that full ride at that lower rank school. Like that would make 1000% sense. And I have people coming to me with those decisions all the time. And I, it always comes back to what are your goals? 
that school, that that top 20, top 30, top 50 school that offered you a full ride, if they can get you to where you want to go pretty reliably and you are debt averse, then I would do that, right? It's it's the certain outcomes that you're looking for. Well, um, I think like I did have some conversations. Like there was one person I was talking to and they were like looking at another school in a different state and they were like, I really just love UVA, but like my entire family's from that state. I think I want to go back to practice in that state. I think like that's the area I want to be in. And I think I told her, I was like, well, like we would love to have you, That's valid. but like that might be the best fit for you. Right, right. And like if you want to, if you know you're going to go back somewhere and you want to be somewhere else for three years, then maybe this makes sense. But if you are very like family driven and they need your support or vice versa, like that, that should all go into it. You know, one of the other factors I was thinking about asking you guys about is family. Laura Louise, you mentioned seeing all the family and partners at Open House. I mean, I love to see the the parents walking around in the Virginia mom and Virginia dad shirt, right? Like before the weekend's out. That's great. Yeah, I think, like I know for me, a big factor of why I chose UVA is because it's only a five and a half hour drive and I don't have to fly home. Like that was a very big deal for me and it's proven to be helpful for like me and my family mm-hmm. situation. So like I think it's very much like a case by case basis, but I think... All of the T14, for the most part, is, like, far from South Carolina. (laughs) Um, How dare they? (laughs) Yeah, very far. And UVA is, like, conveniently close in a way. (laughs) So, like, being able to get, like, a top education while still close to family, like, was a big factor in my decision. Well, and I think, like, this goes back to what we were talking about earlier. It's, like, so many times with law students, we want to be as logical as possible and look at the numbers. But sometimes it really does boil down to, like, Where is my family located? Like, does my significant other feel comfortable with being in this environment? Like, things like very much like those relationship focused things that you can't really put a numerical value on and that are still just as valid. And really, you should consider giving weight of like, okay, like, I have a wife and kids. Like, is this going to be the best fit for me? Hopefully, they have a say. (laughs) Yes. And I think, like, especially like the family and the significant other element is going to discontinue to become a more significant factor as we see like more like non traditional law students come through the pike. Absolutely. So, I want to sort of end on if you could offer, you've already offered up a lot of advice, but like people out there are really like in the thick of it making the decision. What do you feel is the most important thing for people to consider when they're making this decision? And maybe tie it into, like, what is the ultimate thing that landed it for you? For you, Laura Louise, sounds like your visit, I think your experience with admissions, maybe. Mm-hmm. One, like, I, it was still COVID time, so the law school building wasn't even open. But, like, I know my family and I all drove up here to Charlottesville and, like, we looked through the window and we're like, oh, this seems oh nice. But, like, oh, for us. It makes me so sad. But what, <laughs> but what was important about that was because we got to experience Charlottesville mm. and see that, like, oh, I could see myself here. Like, I think I would really enjoy it. And, like, that was such a big factor. And, like, I'm very close with my family, my brothers and sisters, and so we all came together. And, like, having their input, too, and saying, like, I really could see you here, having their encouragement of, like, I think this is a right decision for you. My ultimate advice is, like, if you have a gut feeling, Mm -hmm. go with it. Like, whether it's here, whether it's somewhere else, like, if you just feel like this is the right decision for me, I don't know if I'm perfectly able to articulate exactly why in like a extremely logical manner even if your reasoning is like the vibes just felt right like that's valid (laughs) even through the window Mm -hmm. I could just tell yeah my advice what he said is very true in that like gut feeling piece and like 
can you imagine yourself in that place for three years? Um, but I think kind of distilling that down, it's more of like what is required for me to feel supported and feel like I have a community of support. And that's kind of how you capture the soft factors. So for me, it's like, one, I like being around nature. I grew up in the South, being in a Southern city and being able to drive was a big deal for me. And that ruled out DC and New York immediately, which rules out a lot of things. But I think also I knew that being close to my family and like the type of people that I met were very similar to the type of people that mentored me and supported me throughout my undergraduate career. So like my advice is do some reflection on kind of like what does a community of support feel like for you? I know that I need this to thrive. Yeah. Well, you have to trust yourself. I mean, you put in so much careful thought. Both of you clearly put in so much thought into the decision. And I think you made the right one. <laughs> um, but but at the end of the day, you're never going to have perfect information. You're never going to know exactly how it's going to feel. You're never going to know what it was like at Penn mm-hmm. or Georgetown or Cornell. You're never going to know. And so that reality doesn't exist. Um, and so to trust yourself that you have made the best decision you can with the information you had at the time without going crazy and overanalyzing, that's the best you can do. And then put your seat deposit down on time, pay attention to the deadlines, and then get excited. And then spend the rest of the time getting excited. And resting your mind and resting your body before law school. I think at some point you have to let go and you have to know that you are going to be great wherever you end up. So thank you both. Oh, my gosh. You just offered such great wisdom for people out there making these decisions. Um, so thank you again in your very busy schedule for making time to be on the show. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. This is fun. This has been Admissible with me, Dean Natalie Blazer, at the University of Virginia School of Law. My guests today were second-year law student James Hornsby and first-year law student Laura Louise Rice. For more information about UVA Law, please visit law.virginia.edu. The next episode of Admissible will be out Friday, April 14th. In the meantime, you can follow the show on Instagram at at admissiblepodcast. Thanks so much for listening, and please remember to rate the show wherever you listen to podcasts.